Welcome to this month's Kaepernick Insurance Group Ask the Expert. I'm Michael Spath. Here with me is Amy DeKaiser, our Vice President of Risk Solutions at Kaepernick Insurance Group. Amy, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, I mean, just to start, when someone hears the term risk solutions, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But what does it mean to you? Risk solutions really is all-encompassing from loss control and safety, cost containment strategies, and just more behavioral-based, looking at someone's organization from a whole, holistically. It can also include wellness and, you know, your outside resources that sometimes people don't think about. And I think we kept it generic like that for that mere purpose. Well, and I mean, when you think about risk solutions, one of the things about insurance is we are always talking to our clients or our prospects about how significant are your risks? Because your risks will ultimately determine your exposures and your exposures will determine how much premium you are going to pay to cover those exposures. And if you can reduce those risks, you can reduce those exposures. And in theory, you can reduce those premiums. So Amy, let me ask you, how important is it for any business to identify and problem solve for their greatest risk, but and just their overall, just understanding where their risks are? Well, especially as the market is now, those that are not paying attention to what their risks are, as minimal as they may be, are the ones that are working themselves out of their industry. Safety and loss control, and really it drills down to the focus on human behavior, is so important for anyone to persevere in the way the world is right now. People that don't have a focus on safety, when I say that is if you look at any of your insurance premiums, The highest insurance premiums are all based on those that are based on human behavior, whether it be employee benefits, auto, general liability, workers' compensation. The common denominator is the human element. So those that are not exploring options of reducing those risks based on human behavior are not checking the box. They're not getting the contracts. They're not getting the work. People are looking at those organizations that focus on the human element and the safety standpoint. They don't want to do business with those that don't focus on that. So it's much greater than how much it's going to cost you in insurance. It's how are you going to be successful in your industry? Well, it's interesting you mentioned general liability, auto, workers' comp. And, you know, you and I had a client that we discussed uh, just in briefly. They were having a lot of workers' comp claims as it came to their commercial auto. They had people that were getting into accidents. And I I know one of the things you just said to me is, like, what is their protocol? What is the driver checklist before they turn the ignition on, right? And they admitted they didn't have one. And they said, well, you know, what do we really need? And I'm like, well, I mean, as simple as like, are they checking the mirrors? Are they looking at those normal things that you're supposed to look at? Is there a policy in place that they can't check their phone? Like they've got to put their phone down or they've got to put their phone in like a, you know, one of the systems that is connected through their dashboard. I mean, like stuff like that. Do you tell them they have to put their seatbelts on? You know, I mean, it sounds like really simple things, but those are some of the the big You'd be surprised how many times the simple things add up to, you know, bigger opportunities. Absolutely. And a lot of people are taking the easy way out, I guess. Um, You could say they're focusing on the tangibles. They're focusing on their investment. But they have to realize that their employees are an investment as well. So they may have that checklist of check the mirror, check the tires, check all that, because they want to protect the vehicle in which the person's getting in. But are they checking the box of the human that's getting in the vehicle, the mental health, the physical health? that person might be completely distracted where presenteeism is a much bigger problem than absenteeism these days. 
and you're putting that person in a vehicle not knowing if they're fully focused and capable of doing that. So that's where I talk about the human behavior and investing in the employees, the individuals, whether it's something at home or something at work, it's going to follow them to work and it's going to cost the employer. So they might as well drill down and help take care of that piece. So a little bit of, are you checking in with your employees on a regular basis? Are you checking in with them every day? We have some clients in the manufacturing or in like the construction business. Hey, if you've got an employee who's going to go out there and like operate a bulldozer, maybe you should talk to the person before they get in the bulldozer. Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't know what that person is dealing with at home. You don't know what that person is dealing with, maybe financially, physically, emotionally. And so to have that distraction is a really big piece. It's such a safety concern. We talk about mental health in this country over and over, but it's those that connect mental health to safety. It really, really does matter. That's why providing those opportunities for employees to concentrate on their financial health, their mental health, their physical health, while they're in the workplace, face it, we spend more time at work than we do with our families. So the more that employers are able to bring that peace and protect that human element, the more that they're going to find that that's an employee benefit that's not often thought of. And with the great resignation, it is so important that we're bringing pieces that make employees want to stay and make them feel valued. But the payoff, the return on investment from a safety standpoint is so far greater. You know, one of the things that I've heard repeatedly from so many different industries is like, I am desperate for workers. I'm like, you know, if you, 10 people showed up today, I would take all 10 of them or something like that. But there is a risk right there because those 10 people, maybe they fill slots for you, but if they are not paying attention to, they might not be the right fit for you. They might be someone who takes too many liberties. They might be someone that you don't want to invest in and that, that they don't want to invest in you. And so understanding Yes, we're all pretty desperate to bring workers in, but don't let that desperation cloud how you make decisions about the safety of your company overall. Yeah, there's a lot of articles out there and research out there, even from an over-testing of how much risk an individual is willing to take themselves. And it's kind of an integrity and ethical piece that we don't pay attention to as employers sometimes out of desperation to fill that slot. So how likely is somebody to claim they have an injury in the workplace that happened at home. How likely is someone to steal or to borrow or do another job while on their employer's time? All of those things add up to risks that cost the employer money. And so we all have probably taken a psychology test at at the beginning of any employment, but at the end of the day, we need to focus on those behaviors and really foster that positive behavior and reinforce it at the workplace so that those things aren't happening but also realize that our organization's overall health by hiring good people is going to pay off versus just filling the box. Absolutely. Amy, how is the risks in something like manufacturing different than construction, different than transportation? I guess the question is, how specific is each industry, the risks and the solutions that Kapnick and you provide to each individual industry? From an insurance standpoint, When you look at real estate, you're looking at a lot of general liability concerns, property concerns. It's about the volume. Workers' compensation is still a big deal. However, it is not as focused upon. Where in transportation, it's the auto lines of coverage. It's workers' compensation. And then when you're in manufacturing, it's workers' compensation heavy, really heavy. So from that standpoint, and then construction varies similar to how the OSHA standards are, are set up. 
at the end of the day, it all does go back to that human element piece. You're still hiring humans to do each of those jobs. It's just a matter of what safety sensitive roles they're playing. So you do have to drill down in the level of training that's required where your focus has to be, whether it be drug testing, whether it be extra certifications. But the same person that can get hurt in a workplace setting is the same person that could get hurt in a construction standpoint. So we have to kind of keep it simple and focus on the human behavior. An overweight person working in an office setting is st- may still cost you as much as somebody working in a manufacturing setting, somebody that has a chronic pre-existing injuries, things of that nature. So once again, we just have to go back to who are we working with? Who do we have working for us? And how can we mitigate what those exposures are? Well, obviously, we've talked a lot about the human element, but there is a computer IT element that has become very popular in the last couple of years. And people don't think about this in terms of risk solutions, but your cyber exposure, your, you know, phishing, your ransomware. You know, I was reading something today. I was sharing with a, with a client that said that 60% of small businesses, if they suffer a cyber attack, never come back from that because most of them are underinsured and they are not ready to handle the, the, the number I saw was around $400,000 is the total claim amount. And that's not just like how much you have to pay maybe to a, a client, but it's, you know, legal fees, it's public relations fees, it's fixing your IT, all those things that come into it. And can you afford $400,000 on your own if you're a small business? And the chances are no. And so how has that impacted what you do, what Capnick is offering? And I think one of the things too is a lot of people think that those are just for companies that are in technology, but that does apply to manufacturing. That does apply to real estate. That does apply to transportation. Sure, sure. So that's where my role comes in of understanding the trends that are going on in the marketplace. And the key component to a proper safety program or culture is if you can't eliminate the risk, try to reduce it. So focusing on where your weak points are, anything that the human touches, you want to make sure that they have the best opportunity to succeed. So if there's open ports within your facility, if there's not the password protection, if, if you're, there's not the training, the wherewithal, but also giving people the opportunity to understand what the greater risk is so much from the C-suite level, it's not passed down of what that overall exposure is. So sometimes sharing with your employees what could happen, (laughs) not necessarily talking about worst case scenarios, but talking about realistic scenarios so that that training is more impactful can really go a long way. So take me through a process a little bit here. Someone contracts with Kapnick and they, let's just take a manufacturing opportunity and say, okay, I want to reduce my risk exposure. Where do you come in and what type of role do you play for them and for Kapnick? Sure. The first step always is not for us to make assumptions. One manufacturing facility can be completely different even though they're making the same widgets as the next. We want to understand the culture. So first and foremost, we take a look at their history. Where have they been? That's going to be very telling to us. It's not going to give us all the inside scoop, but it's going to give us conceptually an idea of where they're going or where they've been. But we like to have boots on the ground. We're not someone that's going to just say that you are in construction, so these are the risks you have, this is what we're going to do for you. We will go do a mock audit, and that is really raw for a client to undergo because many people can say, yes, we do this. So do you have a safety program? Yes. Have you shared it with your employees? Yes. Where is it? Well, it's in the binder, and when they are hired, we review it with them. Once we do employee interviews, that could all change. 
One of the biggest things is making sure that what we say we do, we actually are doing it and that we're sharing it and we're training on it. So during that mock audit, it can really be telling for an organization to say, yes, we check the box of putting these policies and procedures in place, but we have failed to truly implement it and have the follow through. So that's where we can then build our timeline of what's the low lying fruit? Where do we start? What are some of the opportunities for us to make your safety culture better immediately? What are some things that may need capital improvement? What are some things that are going to be long-term that we're going to turn this ship around? And from there, we can really tell their story in the marketplace. We at Captic have great relationships with our insurance partners for the mere fact that some things can be a little hairy, but they know that we're going to be intimately involved in it. But we can also tell a story to explain how we're going to help them and how we're going to be committed during the entire process that they're underwriting, that we're going to help make them better during their time with Capnick. So it's not just a one-stop consultation with a prospect or a client of, here's your problems, go off and fix it. That builds our relationship throughout the entire time that we have it. Also, it gives us the opportunity to ingrain ourselves a little deeper. It's not to undermine the importance of the insurance buyer, but specifically in my role, I love the fact that I'm working with the safety managers. I'm working with the HR managers. I'm working with the site supervisors. I'm working way down within the organization because those are the people that I need to make sure that they're giving that message to their organization and have that follow through so that Those are the ones that are in the day-to-day grind with all of those employees. So those are the ones that I'm working with on a regular basis, but it's also filtering back up to the C-suite and owners so that they are well aware of where they need to make their investment and who they need to support that message. Because it does come from the top down, but the people that are carrying out that day-to-day message, is they're so important. Well, Amy, at the top layer, I'm sure every company out there is like, well, if I do this, if I team up with Kaepernick, if I team up with Amy DeKaiser, I can reduce my premium. And I would take it a step further and say, well, it's not really about reducing your premium. I mean, that's a great goal, but you don't want to have a claim in the first place. You want to prevent the accident from taking place. You want to shore up all of your safety mechanisms. But then what you just said, and I would take it one step further and have you finish with this, as you're talking about the relationship and the the working with the, the site managers and the safety advisors and all those whole, whole things, I think what you're talking about is building a culture that extends from the bottom all the way to the top and the top all the way to the bottom is a risk solutions is about creating that culture within a organization. And that culture, as you look to attract employees, is that culture as you look to retain employees can do those things because of the way that you are treating people throughout the entire process. Correct. Correct. You should be able to ask what is the importance of safety to the owner of a company all the way down to the hourly employee, and there should be the same answer. There should be that same that same level of importance. And going back to your comment about reducing premiums, it's not all, all about that either. It's providing yourself opportunities. Um, in the marketplace, you can then maybe move to a, a cost-sensitive uh, cost program where you're self-insuring a little bit more. So you're not paying those premium dollars out. You're taking on the risk because you know that you can control it. Um, There's different opportunities to move from an excess or surplus lines to a standard market. It creates more of a feeding frenzy in the marketplace where everybody wants you versus you begging them to take you. Um, And that, that does have a return on investment. But also from a partnership standpoint, 
you want those long-term relationships with insurance, with insurance carriers, because it's not if a claim happens, it's when a claim happens. That's why we're in the business that we're in. And you want to make sure that those people are there to protect you. The response time is there and that you're getting what you pay for. But you have to do your job, too, as the insured um, to help protect them as well. All right. Kapnick.com. And you will be begging to work with Amy. Amy, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me.